Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You heard that, lady? Yep. And then just because I've got it, I'm going to go ahead and roll on my real camera. Yeah, sure. So if you want to, it's just 1080p, but. Yeah, if you want to send it to me, that's fine, too. I can sync it up. Okay. Okay. Let's just start in uh, three. See, you know how I'm going to do this. We're just going to talk and then I'll splice it into the show how I do. I just need to remember to look over here at my camera so it seems like I'm (laughs) engaging with you. Yeah, really. Eye lines and such. Uh, Let's see here. That's probably probably all right. Okay. Three, two, one. so much for joining me yet again on geek therapy radio oh anytime johnny so i need to blame you for something and (laughs) this is kind of what got me thinking like i really gotta have colin on again is you uploaded a video a few months ago i think it was uh uh with the sony a a dv camera what was it the sony can you say this oh the camera one that was a canon that Cannon, was a Canon. Uh, oh, the model number is escaping me, but it was one of their prosumer ones. Yeah. Mini DV, I think. Yeah. GL2. Yes. GL2. GL2. That's right. Yeah. 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 There's something too. Yeah. So you got me going down that path because I, I went on <laughs> a bit of a spree. You just reminded me. And that's what I'm blaming you for is, is reminding <laughs> me. I was like, you know what? It's been such a long time since people, I've... People love to blame me for all sorts of stuff that ends up making them happy. So yeah. I'm fine with that. You know? Exactly. People blame me for getting them stuck on cassette tapes and, and stuff like that, too. I was like, oh, I feel bad because like the cassette comeback, not to get too sidetracked, but that's what we do here is it can be it can be an expensive hobby to get into depending on mm-hmm. what quality you're you're achieving and i kind of mm-hmm. feel bad about that because the, the, i kind of feel bad about the cassette comeback because i feel like uh, most people are going to be disappointed because they're going to get kind of an old crappy deck or they're going to buy an old crappy like boom box from 1997 yeah. or something and be like this is just as crap as i remember it and yeah. then people are going to tell no if you want higher quality you got to get a three head deck and Dolby, you know, B, C and S noise reduction and HX extension. And like, you need to spend a couple hundred dollars at least. Tape is, yeah, tape is really difficult. I mean, you know, compared to how relatively easy like vinyl is or CDs are. Yeah. You know, tape is just like, there are so many factors there and you're absolutely right. I mean, people just buy whatever the most convenient or cheapest thing there is and they're getting a horrible experience. Mm And then I, I am worried that if they want to go beyond that, you're right. You get to get into much more expensive equipment. That expensive equipment isn't being made anymore. So it's got mm-hmm. problems probably that need to get fixed. So you either have to learn how to fix it yourself or pay someone to fix it for you. And all that stuff is going to cost a decent amount of money. Right. So by the time you're done, you're looking at it and going, wow, okay, so this tape that I bought was like eight bucks, mm-hmm. but I just spent like $400 coming up with a way to play it that right. isn't 
horrible, right? And then you kind of wonder, well, why didn't I just get into vinyl or something instead? Right. Because so the vinyl, because the thing is with vinyl, you buy the produced album and, and usually, well, I won't say usually, but depending on the outlet and how much care they took into the mastering process for vinyl, mm-hmm. you're, you know, for instance, you're going to buy a John Mayer album. You're going to put it on your hundred dollar, maybe $200 is a good, probably good amount of money for a turntable with like an Ortofone red or something like that on there. Right. And you're going to be, wow, this is what people were talking about with vinyl. The experience is great. Big, big art and sleeves. And I can hold a tangible thing versus so most recently I can think of, and of course we got on the cassette tangent. Um, we always do. Somehow every time it comes back to the cassettes and vinyl. <laughs> so Billie Eilish released, not like she, you know, turned them out of her bedroom or something like that, but uh, they she released, a, I think it was Bad Guy or that, the, that her first album on cassette tape. As far mm-hmm. as I've known, I haven't bought the cassette tape, but as far as I know, I think it's a type one tape, if I'm not mistaken. I, and I don't think My- there's any... My understanding is there's no one manufacturing anything other than regular type one ferric tape. Yeah. Like there are literally no manufacturing plants anywhere on planet earth. Right. That produce chrome or metal tape anymore. So, and there's not very many that actually produce just the ferric tape either. So yeah, that's all you got. And there used to be, uh, maybe the last time I went on to, you know, musician's friend or Sweetwater or something like that to look up. Uh, cassette tapes, high quality cassette tapes to use in four tracks. Because there are still people out there that, you know, use mm-hmm. a cassette. It used to be, I forget who was manufacturing it, but you could get, you know, uh, 10 minute, 30 minute, 45 minute, 90 minute uh, type two cassette tapes. But I haven't checked probably in 10 years. And that sounds right that there are. are it's all there, gone. That it's all, all gone. gone. It's all gone. You can you can get like new old stock tapes off yeah. of eBay, but the prices on those are going insane. If you've ever looked up the price of a brand new metal tape, just one of them off of eBay. Brand new. Yeah, exactly. Brand new, a single sealed metal tape, $30. Oh, 40 bucks. I was on there yeah, yesterday. It's 40 bucks. Like for yeah. one tape. And for- now, honestly, my own experience with a mid-range cassette deck, that one that I restored at this point, probably a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. there's not a huge difference between chrome and metal tapes. Right. And thankfully, there's a decent number of new old stock chrome tapes still out there. You can buy, you know, the the brick of like five or six of them for probably about 20, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. But even then, those over time, they're going to disappear. And some people are kind of hoarding them, you know, for their own indie music projects and like short run presses and that sort of thing that they do themselves. Yep. So tape is, yeah, I mean, tape just as you would think that vinyl would be the format that would be the pickiest, right? Like in terms of the variability with the pressings and the quality of the equipment and how that can affect the ultimate sound quality that you get out of it and all Mm -hmm. that. Tape is actually the fussiest of all of them, just because there's such a wider latitude in how well the tape itself was made and the equipment that you can use to play it back on with vinyl. You know, you're right. Like most of the pressings that have come out, they're all very good quality. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are bad in quotation marks really aren't that bad. They're just not audiophile grade, however you really want to define that. And for like a hundred bucks, you can get a very serviceable turntable that won't damage your vinyl, that you can plug it into powered speakers or headphones or whatever, and give you really good sound quality. So it's this weird kind of flip-flop where the equipment for vinyl is actually less expensive to get into for a decent quality than tape. Right. But the media is the complete opposite in price. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, current indie tape prices when those pressings come out vaporwave and such mm-hmm. you know you can buy a tape for eight to ten bucks you know yeah. brand new commercially pressed whereas vinyl i don't think i've seen one recently that's been less than 25 bucks yeah so it's just it's so strange how this is all kind of sorting itself out with the media prices versus the quality versus the equipment versus the ease of entry into it. Vinyl is much easier to get into. I mean, the first turntable that I bought in what I'll call modern times, because I grew up with vinyl and then Mm. CDs came along and I'm like, well, screw that. I'm going to stick with CDs. Yeah. Um, Probably five years ago, I picked up one of those hundred dollars in Audio-Technica turntable at Costco. Right. 
Like they had a pallet of them at Costco. Like yep. Audio it's, Technica. It's so easy to get into that now. And I'm I'm glad because you know, I, I I've said this before. There's really kind of no love lost between me and cassettes. Like I've got a little bit of a fondness for them because it was a format that I used when I was growing up, but it was always kind of a utility format for me. I never bought pre-recorded tapes back then Mm -hmm. just because what we more or less did was we bought vinyl records and then eventually just switched straight to CDs and tapes were just that thing that we used in the Walkman or in the car. And when we had a tape, it was one that we would record ourselves from the vinyl records or the CDs that we bought. Mm -hmm. So eventually when I no longer needed to use tape and we had CD players in cars and portable CD players, I just threw all the tapes out because it's like, I hated this format to begin with. Why am I going to (laughs) stick around with it? You know, and, and admittedly, part of it was because of the whole quality thing, right? You know, that I didn't have a ton of money when I was a kid. So I always had cheap, you know, no name Walkmans. Mm-hmm. The cassette stereos in cars weren't very good mm-hmm. and couple that with a relatively low quality cassette deck at home to do those, you know, those dubs and just the overall annoyance of tape compared to CD. We got really spoiled with CDs, right? Yeah. Just the instant track skip, the fact that you've got the entire album on one side, no need to flip it, no need to fast forward to wait to the end of the tape to flip or anything like that. Mm-hmm. No need to rewind when you're done. Like just CDs were such a, a big push forward with technology for music that tape just instantly fell, yeah. felt like ancient to me. And that's you know, not to get too far off on the tangent, but I mean, mini disc really kind of picked up where CD left off in terms of innovation. Right. And so that's why, like, as soon as I learned about mini disc, I'm like, I am so done with tapes right now. I yep. bought into mini disc because my tape deck had died. And so I went to the store expecting to buy another tape deck and I learned about mini disc and I'm like, why would I buy another tape deck? I am so done with that. Yeah. And just, and just moved on from there. So I mean, tape has this really weird and interesting legacy, and it means very different things for different people. Right. And I don't think that's quite the same thing with something like vinyl. I think vinyl people have a little bit more of a consistent experience with. Yeah. So it's it's strange how it's kind of shaken out and who's gotten on board with tape versus vinyl. I mean, lots of artists are getting into vinyl now and repressing their old works and, you know, making those available again and all that. And cassette, it's very much more hit or miss. And I'm kind of curious as to over time, not only how that's going to shake out, but also other retro formats, both audio and video. So I, I can't think of this cassette comeback, having the type of comeback that vinyl has for, for for many reasons, one mm-hmm. in particular, as you mentioned, if you buy a vinyl and you buy a decent record player for hundred dollars, you're gonna have a, a pretty good experience. You're gonna you're gonna get what the fuss is about for a low point of entry. Plus, mm-hmm. I I like to say that vinyl. When people say, "Well, how good?" because people think of vinyl records, their their dad's old nineteen fifty five whatever sounds scratchy and crappy. And I don't mm-hmm. no, I'm glad vinyl died. I don't get why it's coming back. The, the quality of vinyl now is so good and the components are so good. I like to say that vinyls basically had, you know, 130 some odd years of research and development. That's mm-hmm. that's still active. There are companies right. making turntables and making styluses and making cartridges and one upping each other. And the technology is going into it and getting better and better and better. Cassette died 15 yeah, years there's ago. No, like, there's been no more advancement with cassettes. No exactly. one's making high quality decks anymore you can buy new ones but they're all and there's tons of youtube videos about this yeah they're all based around more or less the same inexpensive mechanism right exactly there's one one, that that one tenashin clone tenashin Mm. apparently themselves don't even make them anymore it's a clone from some other manufacturer and those can be kind of made in different ways to lessen or increase their quality based on price but Compared to like what even a, a mid-range deck was from the 90s, you're going to mm-hmm. get nowhere near the quality. Nowhere and, near it. And vinyl records, I mean, kind of to get to the nostalgia, you know, yeah, some people are turned off by the clicks and pops and, the, you know, the, the surface noise of a vinyl record. The thing for me is I actually don't really mind that 
so much. I mean, obviously I'm going to clean my records every time I play them because I don't want them the entire time I'm playing. Right. But the occasional click and pop isn't such a big deal because the rest of the sound is so good. Right. You've got a full fledged frequency response. They're really only limited by more or less your speakers or headphones, mm-hmm. unless you want to get really deep into the weeds with the audio file. You know, the stylus is so important. Let's not go there, but <laughs> we've, we've been there. Right. But yeah. the, the sound quality is so good. The surface noise adds that little bit of nostalgia to it. It adds that little bit of imperfection to remind you you're not listening to a digital file of some sort. Right. With with cassettes. Yeah. You're not going to get the clicks or the pops, but you're going to get background hiss. Sometimes, depending on how the cassette was made. If you spend money, you won't. But that's the thing. You got to spend money. And you have to have the source material that was recorded on a medium and with the right noise reduction to prevent that. Right. Right. So if you're buying a brand new commercially pressed cassette on ferric tape, they're not going to put noise, you know, noise reduction on it either because one Dolby doesn't license it out anymore for new Mm -hmm. equipment. And two, because they can't guarantee that everyone's going to be playing it back on equipment that can do noise reduction. So they don't do it anymore. And even back then, back when cassettes were new, it was kind of hit or miss as to whether you would get noise reduction or what quality of tape you would get. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'd see multiple releases of the same tape on different types of tape. So that if you were pickier, if you had primarily a nice cassette deck at home that you were going to play it on, you could buy the version of the tape that was on Chrome with noise reduction. I've got a copy of Sting's 10 Summoner's Tales that's like that. Right. And ostensibly those tapes cost a little bit more, but you'd get better quality. Exactly. But, you know, if you if you just grabbed an average tape and played it on an average player, you're going to have reduced sound quality just because that's kind of the lowest common denominator. And if the high end is rolled off. You can't you can't really get around that. It always just sounds a little bit more lo-fi right. than allows you to get into the music. So I think that's what's carried vinyl forward is that in some ways it still really competes with digital. And right. I don't want to get into the whole vinyl is better than digital, you know, versus whatever kind of debate, because right. I think each format has its own place. Exactly. But as old as vinyl is, and I, I like to think that vinyl became hi-fi probably sometime in the 60s Yeah, is when that technology advanced. You started getting stereo and just better mastering quality and all. Yeah. yeah. And and just they got it to the point where it was capable of sounding good. And I've got vinyl records from the 60s that just sound fantastic, right? Yep. It just, it still just holds up and that's what's keeping it, keeping it going. So cassettes, I don't know. I, in my experience, in my circles, you know, following vaporwave and future funk artists, a lot of us, I think, who buy cassettes will admit we don't really listen to them. We buy them just <laughs> as a yeah, as yeah. as a tangible way to support the artists that we like. You right. know, to get something a little bit more out of it. I mean, yeah, you could drop a couple of bucks on their new album when it comes out on Bandcamp and get the download for it, and mm-hmm. we do. But if there's a physical release, we'd rather have that just for that tangible, that tangible aspect, you know, to be able to show, show it off on Twitter, you know, look what I bought. I yeah. like this artist. Here's a physical reminder of it. You can never take it away kind of a thing. Yeah. I, I kind of think that's in some ways the niche that cassettes have is that just because they're inexpensive, it's, it's just shelf candy in some ways, sad yeah. to say. And if somebody wants to seriously get into the cassette comeback, they're going to be disappointed, like just to wrap this up, that that they're going to be disappointed, A, that it sounds bad on whatever machine they do have, B, that to make it sound good, you're going to have to invest a lot of money in an old machine that you will likely have to fix up and then tweak and, and learn how mm-hmm. to calibrate and bias and all that. So it's a it's a very cathartic hobby that I personally enjoy because I like to I'm an audio engineer and I like to tweak mm-hmm. knobs and adjust the bias just right and a b it between tape and source and get to do to do and just see how great this machine can get type one tape to sound which is astonishing by the way mm-hmm. um but going back to vinyl to wrap that part up for me because we're not going to get into the audio file part of it I you can talk frequency response we can talk frequency response and signal there be dragons man let's not go there. <laughs> we're not Nyquist frequencies and digital yeah, and 60 bit and 24 so the reason why I like vinyls the way vinyls sound isn't the way isn't isn't because it's on a black piece of plastic with the stylus going in the grooves it has nothing to do with the actual 
physical format or what's being pulled out of the needle and through my ears. Mm-hmm. The reason why I like vinyl is because what it does before it gets to vinyl, it right. forces the audio engineers and mastering engineers to completely I- ignore luffs and zero and brick wall limiters and say, we can't reproduce that on vinyl. We can't smash everything to the absolute loudest it can be. It creates separation in the mixing and mastering phase between instruments that reveals a much more open, dynamic uh, right. recording. And if you can find, if they release the, uh, the the vinyl mastering audio files for digital download, like on FLAC, that's the holy grail, a 24-bit flack mm-hmm. that has been mastered for vinyl that you look at it the waveform and it's got nice and peaks and valleys and holy crap, the instruments are over here and over here and the snares back here and the singers up here versus an MP3 or even the CDs in the loudness war where just make it loud, 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 you got no dynamic range. Yeah. So that's the reason why I like vinyl is because of what happens before it ever gets melted into the vinyl it's how it forces the production of the music before it ever gets released that's why i like vinyl and i i want to get back to the camcorder point because that's what we started with and then we (laughs) got i mean it's all connected right camcorders use tape so exactly so i've got some uh high eight in digital eight tapes around me that i've i bought the i bought a camcorder on ebay that's where i'm going with this a digital mm-hmm. eight uh, sony camcorder off off of ebay so that i could back up um some of these uh tapes through firewire mm-hmm. uh, that's an interesting point between digital eight and dv is that it's the exact same codec it's the exact same data so whether you're using a mini dv camcorder or a sony digital 8 if it's got a firewire port it's pumping out that raw it's the same mm-hmm. same bits no matter the format so i got the digital 8 handy cam and then i went through the nightmare of <laughs> trying to dump dv or digital 8 to yeah. a computer in the year 2000 21 2022 yeah. and you you made a in that uh video with the the gl2 uh yeah i was gonna say like i can understand for some people it would be an absolute nightmare yeah. but if you use the right just the right adapters and the right software it's as easy as plug it in and click go in, which is it. just it's crazy that you can even still do that but you with you a can. mac yeah and it, and that's the thing is that it, yeah. it, it pretty much you save yourself the trouble and if you have a Mac, uh, even a new Mac going from Thunderbolt to Thunderbolt 2 to, to Firewire, it just works. You open up your you you you, you worked in um, a Final Cut. It. You pulled I it. did it in Final Cut. I haven't tested in iMovie, but iMovie and Final Cut, my understanding is there is some kind of shared code base there. QuickTime works. So QuickTime does it. OK, it does. I, I, okay. I did. I bought the dongle combination that you that you okay. had and I plugged it into my M1 MacBook Pro and I don't mm-hmm. I don't have Final Cut and I opened up uh, QuickTime and you can just click, you know, capture whatever and yeah, select the source and, and, and yep. the the uh, the camera showed up. The Sony didn't. This is where I'm getting on with mm-hmm. kind of this whole thing here. The Sony does not play nice with a Mac. It does not play nice with my uh, Windows PC with a with a FireWire card in the back. Um, the Microsoft, the uh, the Sony is hit or miss. Hmm. What I went and did is I also purchased because I'm a huge fan of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I know that they used for the first four seasons, the Panasonic uh, DVX 100, uh, okay. specifically the 100B. And there's a couple other variants from there, but it was that was basically the best standard definition camera uh, somebody could buy. So I went and bought one off eBay. I found one where the guy listed it. It's like, I think it works. I have no way of really testing it. It was really cheap. It was like 250 bucks versus <laughs> the other ones that tested works well or whatever right. for like $700. Right. I took the gamble on the 250 and it is perfection. It's <laughs> perfect. And the video nice. is great. And the, and, the, and the standard definition is, is perfect. I plug that Firewire into my Windows or Mac PC and it recognized it boom, you've got hmm. a DV camcorder here. You know, open up, uh, what do I use on PC? On PC, I use uh, VLC. This mm-hmm. is some really good information for people who are thinking about ingesting DV footage uh, in 2022. VLC is is free and it's your friend and you can go in there and you can capture from the, the DV source. Mm-hmm. Works perfectly with Panasonic. It's hit or miss with the Sony Handycam that I have. Mm. But 
I blame you for that kick. And I even went out with the uh, with the DVX 100, the the sunny Philadelphia camera for mm -hmm. the museum, and I filmed a, a very short video about bird watching in a cemetery because the whole premise was ridiculous. I'm like, let's do a parody of Sunny because we're bird watching in right. a cemetery, yeah. and it looks it looks like sunny Philadelphia. I made sure that it was a parody. It's not going to hit mm -hmm. any sort of right. I I suppose that they you know Rob McElhaney could come out and be like or FX or something be like, Hey, this is a little too close, but oh, I made it whatever. a parody. I made it a parody. No one's going to, it's a one-off thing. Yeah. Don't worry. I about don't it. expect any problems from it, but, but yeah, I blame you for getting into DVs and what, what tweaked me, what like set me off on this was something you said, uh, halfway through the video or three quarters of the way through where you're like, I don't know why anybody would like want this kind of effect. Like it's standard definition. It looks pretty good, but there's nothing about it that looks like like something you want to use. And then you're just like, well, I if, if I guess if you want to use it, it's you know it, it can serve a purpose. But I just don't see what purpose it can serve. For me, the purpose it served was like sunny in Philadelphia seasons one through four. That's an awesome. Yeah, I mean, if feel. if there's a look that you're right. going for, that's a look, right? Because it's digital, so you're not going to have the same noise like you would with an analog videotape, right? But it's still soft. It's still going to be kind of grainy. Mm. Usually, you're going to be shooting in four by three. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, if you've got nostalgia for that late '90s, early 2000s time period, yeah. That's a good way to do it. And right. I, I think maybe that might be one small part about why that equipment still has relatively high prices. Mm -hmm. um, the other part, I think, is just because people need equipment to be able to archive tapes. Right. Right. I mean, they don't again, they don't make those anymore. And the decks are very expensive and not all the decks had firewire on them, whereas the cameras almost always did. Right. So you've got production houses and TV studios and archival services, you know, the, the shop down on the corner that'll transfer anything to DVD for 20 bucks kind of a thing. Yeah. It's just like with cassette tapes, right? You, they don't make the equipment anymore. So the prices on the good quality stuff just keeps going up mm -hmm. and the prices on the stuff that is known to work is going to be really high because yeah, it's tricky to repair an audio cassette deck. It's even trickier to repair a video cassette mechanism. Yeah. There's way more going on there. Let and me... so the ones that work for those those shops that don't want to do the work themselves, they're just gonna gobble them up. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let me, let me warn people right now. Colin, I hope you have never done this anytime recently because I did it maybe a couple weeks ago. When you released your... Uh, mini disc special on VHS tape mm -hmm. and I'll cut this out. If you don't want me to say, I, I got the, you sent me the file, the raw file. Can yeah. I keep that in or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. fine. So it's what a I special did. Special one-off thing. And I, and, and I'm going to do a quick little plug. There are yes. some copies of that tape still available. They're going. So if you want to grab it, go pick one up. Uh, Pacific Plaza Records are available from VHS. It's I re-edited the entire YouTube documentary down to be native four by three, all new soundtrack. And you get two bonus downloads with the physical tape. You get the file that I sent Johnny, which is basically what's on the tape, the four mm -hmm. by three standard def version of the documentary. But you also get, and I know this is something you were playing with, this is where you were going, yep. is you get a 4K video file that is the VHS tape played back through a production video monitor, like a really high quality yeah. CRT. So if you don't have a VCR or you don't want to deal with that or all you have is a flat panel TV and you want to know what the whole thing, what the whole nostalgia about watching VHS on a CRT is, you can watch the entire tape in this 4K download as it's played back through period accurate equipment. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's a trip. Like I, yeah. it took me a little while to figure out how to make all that stuff work right. And how to re, you know, how to edit for four by three again. Cause I'm yeah. just so used, yeah. I'm so used to 16, nine and how do I make stuff look good and standard deaf and, and, but it totally brought me back to when I was a kid yep. and, you know, watching movies that you'd rent from blockbuster down the street, you know, you'd take them home and it was movie night at home and all the trials and tribulations that come with tape and. Oh yeah. But so what, where I was going with this initially, you gave me the file. I was like, I could have some fun with it with my VCR and, and I could, let's, let's see if I can record it uh, from my computer onto the VCR through, uh, you know, various adapters and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, and I recorded it to the tape and I was texting you or whatever that day. I was like, dude, just dumping the file you gave me through a roundabout way through connectors onto the VHS tape and then playing it back on my CRT that you can hear right behind my my camera here. I have two CRTs. I've got a PC CRT over here that does like 1280 by 1024. And then over here, I've got an mm. old Sylvania, like 20 inch TV with S video. And I was I, so I recorded the file to the cassette tape uh, with just composite. And then I was playing it back out to my TV just through composite. And I was like, this looks spectacular, like in real life, playing it back on just even a, a mediocre CRT that's probably still in your grandma's guest bedroom mm-hmm. looks awesome. Like if you take that VHS tape and put it in her that VHS player that she probably definitely has and play mm-hmm. it back on her old TV, you're like, I ne-, you probably say to yourself, most people I think would be like, I don't remember uh, standard def looking this good. I don't remember VHS looking right. this good. And it does. Right. And all of that to say, that got me going down my own little geeky trail of, wow, I'm going to go, let's see what I can pull, like some YouTube videos or digital files that I have in 4K. And let's start, let's start dumping some 4K <laughs> stuff, even if it's 16 by nine to, yeah. uh, to tape and just see how far I can push, you know, this VHS to its capabilities and what it looks like on a, on a standard def, you know, real world TV. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that and I ran into an issue that I won't really get into because it doesn't have anything to do with, with anything. Long story short, I was like, well, I should clean the tape player and I don't have a cleaning tape. So let me just pull the cover off here with a Q-tip. Pregnant pause there for everybody who's cleaned a VHS player to scream at their computer screens right now about putting a Q-tip anywhere near the tape path of a VHS. I think, yeah, you can go around like pinch rollers and maybe something like that with the with the Q-tip. Mm-hmm. Don't anyone dare even get it within a like breathing range of a tape head. Like I thought, I was like, okay, I know not to put a, a Q-tip, you know, on the tape head, but it maybe, maybe if I just go really, really light with it, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Nope, <laughs> nope. I the tape play, it still works, it still plays, but uh, I have obviously damaged or got some little fiber of cotton it's the fibers yeah it's the I fibers mean, you of can, cotton it, it all comes down to the swab that you use if you're using the cheap you know drugstore cotton swabs mm-hmm. yeah they're going to shred and you're not really i don't think you're really going to damage the heads because i don't think they're that sensitive mm-hmm. because obviously you can run cleaning tapes through them and therefore yeah. they survive that just fine so it's not like you're abrading them away it's yeah the the edges are kind of sharp on those and they'll shred the fibers off the Q-tip and get all in there. And that'll impede. I mean, it's totally fixable. You can go in there and clean it all out and you're fine again. What you can do is you can get higher quality, like industrial swabs where the cotton is much, much tighter. It's much tighter packed and they're nowhere near as easy to like shred the ends on. And that works. I mean, I'm sure all the experts are still going to say, just don't do it. And I'm not telling you to do it, but if that's all you have, and you soak it really well with isopropyl alcohol and you're very careful, you can do it and not shred it on the heads, but right. it's best to find the right kind of cleaning tape if you still can and just run that through. Where do I have it? Cause I want to show it on the video. Uh, I have a cleaning tape somewhere around here for though. Cause there probably are some people watching, I don't know, depending on their age or whatever that have no idea. And why would they have an idea what a VHS uh, cleaning tape looks like? It looks like a uh, normal, you know, micro cassette cleaning tape. And basically, instead of uh, the 
I've got to reel it in here. Remember doing this, kids? <laughs> yeah. Let me pull some tape off. Let me pull you never, the leader a little bit. Because you, you never had a pen that was yeah. the right size handy, so you just jam your finger in there. Right. And it would take forever. So y'all can see, if my camera will focus here, how can I do the little magic trick? There we go. So on the tape head, or going across the middle of the tape, you see the end of the leader. It's the clear part. And then here comes the actual magnetic particle tape uh, the other way. Um, so what a tape head cleaner looks like, whether it's on a, what am I doing here? It's hard to do it on camera backwards and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so what a tape path cleaner looks like, whether it's cassette tape like this or VHS, is that's just like white. I don't want to call it cotton. Maybe it is make, made out of cotton, but it's not. It's not very, it's not really fibrous, it's, so it doesn't right. get caught on tape heads. It doesn't, it doesn't ruin anything. And there are, they make some that are called, uh, dry, they dry cleaner, not dry cleaners, but they don't require the little right. drops of, of you fluid. just run them as is other ones. You pop the cover open and you drip some, some cleaning fluid on that tape running through it. It does it kind of a wet, a wet pass. Right. Um, my understanding is the wet ones are better if the heads are really dirty and you just haven't cleaned it in forever. Whereas yeah. the dry ones are better for maintenance cleaning. Mm -hmm. If you just get in the habit of every X number of tapes, even before you have problems, just run this thing through for a few seconds. The dry ones are, I don't know. I don't, I actually haven't looked into that in forever. Um, yeah. like what, what cleaning tapes are still available, which ones are good, which ones are bad. I imagine that they're still being made because believe it or not, VHS cassettes are still being made. Yep. Obviously. Because I mean, obviously I've got a VHS release yeah. the tapes and the tapes were brand new. So they had to come from somewhere, but um, I mean, yeah, eventually there may come a point where cleaning tapes and brand new media for VHS isn't being made anymore. So uh, undoubtedly we'll, yeah, there you go. Undoubtedly, we'll we'll find people coming up with like homegrown solutions for that, right? Where they right. teach you how to take a, an old tape apart and here's the right kind of material to buy and cut down to use to clean the heads and you can wind it on the tape or something. But yeah, thankfully, we're not quite there yet. I will just say, it's just my personal opinion, that if you've... if if you're of the age that you've never had a VHS player and then you go on eBay, because you can still get VHS players for mm -hmm. relatively inexpensive, um, they might even still produce them. Maybe one-off things for... Very few, I'm trying to remember. I'd I, like to say I saw a video not terribly long ago where someone showed that off. Like They call it like the last VHS ever made or VCR ever made. But yeah. I'd like to say that was some time ago. So it's production has probably stopped. I'd have to double check that. Maybe yeah. as I'm making this video, I'll put a little graphic on the screen saying whatever. By the way, I'm going to put links below to Colin's VHS down in my description in, in the podcast and on the YouTube video I make of this. But all I was getting at the last point is if you're getting a brand new, a brand new VHS player, maybe it is <laughs> brand new if they still may go. I, I just personally wouldn't recommend getting in there with just use a cassette cleaning tape yeah. they do make them they're they're on amazon after you do your research and see what you're doing if that cassette if the cassette or vhs cleaning tape doesn't quite do it doesn't quite cut it and you want to take the cover off and get into there just do your research like like colin said don't just go to cvs and get the cheap makeup you know earwax q-tips and start jamming it in those sensitive electronics because they are extremely sensitive electronics and if you if you don't know like things have to be aligned a certain way like like mm -hmm. colin said you're not really with the q-tip you're probably not going to unless you're really jamming it you're not going to misalign the heads too badly but but the point is that the cheap q-tips have the fibrous things and then you're going to play back your tape and it'd be like why isn't it working it's broken it's all static or it's got the tracking is is terrible or or whatever's going on here so just get the vhs player get the uh, VHS cleaning tape, just play it a few times. There's a part of um, the the cleaning fluid that maybe I'm just kind of blanking out or brain farting, but I think some of it says like demag it demagnifies also. And I, hmm. as for, as that's more like for cassette, uh, cassette decks, cassette mm -hmm. audio cassette decks. Uh, and I always like, I don't understand. 
maybe it does work. Maybe there's some chemical in there that neutralizes magnetic fields. I don't know. Yeah, you, you need no a demagnetizer. Idea. That's what I thought. You need something. It's like a look, like a pen looking thing. Usually has a power cable coming off of it. Yeah, you just kind of like get close to the head. I don't think you even touch the head. If you do touch the head, they've got like a rubber stopper or something on it. But like that's the only way that I know to to demagnetize is to unless use yeah unless somehow the demagnetizing thing is built into the cassette itself could be and somehow but i don't know yeah i the idea I, of fluid I mean, yeah i mean growing up like i think i remember using one of those cleaning tapes like twice yeah like it, i mean for the most part you didn't care and to kind of circle around a little bit you know talking about how good in quotation marks this stuff looks when we say it looks good, mm -hmm. there's the caveat of it looks good if you take it in context from when it was, right. right? But also, it really only looks good if you're watching it on period accurate equipment. Yep. The people who are saying, oh, wow, look at how bad all these old VHS tapes look. They're looking at the output from a digital conversion on their high resolution computer or TV screen. Right. So of course you're going to see all of the detail loss exactly. and because you're watching it on a modern display of some sort, you're just instantly always going to compare this old footage to what that display is capable of. Right. It's like coming back to the whole audio cassette thing, right? If you've got mm. an old quality, you know, like low quality audio cassette and you're playing it back on high end equipment, of course, you're going to notice the loss of detail there. Right. But if you play that old tape back on the car stereo of a car from the nineties where the stereo itself wasn't all that great to begin with, it's going to mm. sound fine. Right. And so it's the same thing with VHS and all these other, you know, standard def kind of retro video formats is you've got to look at the entire ecosystem. Right. And as long as you've got that whole thing put together, then it, yeah, it can look amazing. I mean, I was amazed at how well my own tape looked on that PVM because I was watching it through a PVM. If I were to capture it back yeah. into a digital file and watch it on my computer screen, obviously, you know, all of the noise and everything would just suddenly become instantly obvious and right. it wouldn't be as enjoyable of an experience. Right. And so when I bust out this VHS player and the reason I got this VHS player, I think it was like last year or something as, as my in-laws were coming and they were, they brought like seven or eight tapes from my wife's childhood. I'm like, I freaking <laughs> have to watch these things. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah. and I, and I backed them up and digitized them and everything like that. And so, but I, but then I put the VHS player back up in the closet. I was like, I'm currently at the time, I was like, I'm currently not on a VHS kick. So I back up in the closet. It went. It came out of the closet again initially because I remembered somebody back in uh, like uh, when I went to recording engineering schools and they had uh, VHS players like, oh, are those ADATs? No, they're not ADATs. They're just VHS <laughs> players with hi-fi because yeah. sometimes they would give uh, the masters of the sessions on VHS tape just using the audio track, the hi-fi oh, audio okay. tracks of VHS tape, which can reproduce uh, like 20 to, to 20 kilohertz. The sound mm -hmm. quality of recording to hi-fi audio tracks on, on VHS were nearly identical in, in signal to noise and in dynamics as a, as a CD. They weren't exactly like CDs could do like it was like the red book is like 90, 96, 98, something like that for, for CDs. Mm. I, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what this, this, the noise floor, the signal to noise ratio for a VHS hi-fi, but the frequency response was the fidelity was much better than just a cassette. It was really, really good as a matter mm -hmm. of fact. So recording studios would, you know, especially before CDs became cheap enough for a recording studio to to give the master on, they'd be like, okay, here's the cassette for, you know, general, whatever you want to do with this. Mm -hmm. Here's a VHS. Send this, in some cases, send this VHS off to the duplication facility and they'll make cassette masters off of the VHS tape because mm. this is the highest quality audio we can give you out of our studio because we don't have CD burners yet. Maybe right. they didn't have a dat machines and maybe the dat was too expensive for the the artist to take and then yeah. duplicate to cassette whatever reason but the cheap vhs players go to best buy or circuit city at the time or or, or sam ash or whatever 
and buy a off the rack VHS player that says hi-fi on it and plug in the, the white and red left and right audio RCA cables and dump that out of your four track, you know, tape player or your multi-track, whatever. And you'd have the highest fidelity that the person could possibly get at home. So that's why I brought the VHS player out was to tinker with recording like alter bridge albums just to mm-hmm. uh, the VHS tape and be like, wow, that the thing is though, like I said, the audio quality is so good that um, there's no, there's none of the charm that dare I right. say cassette has and vinyl has because the quality is so good. You might as well be listening to a CD or a flack right. or whatever, because right. there, there's, there's no charm involved. There's no noise you can hear. There's no, unless you're really pushing it to, to get some sort of saturation and compression out of it. Even then on VHS, I don't think the saturation sounds natural or good um, versus pushing a cassette tape a little bit on certain mm-hmm. sources. Anyways, got the VHS tape out and I was like, I got this Jurassic Park video sitting over here on my Commodore 64 in the closet. I'm going to pop that in because I've had it since I was t- 10 years old in 1993. I put in that old tape and it and I played it on this the CRT behind me and I was like, that looks really good. And it's all that to say it's to the point that you made. If you buy a VHS player or a high eight camcorder or whatever, and then you plug it into your 70 inch 4K TV through the composite jack, nobody at Samsung or Sony or Vizio or Panasonic was ever dreaming that <laughs> the end user was going to plug in a, a VHS, a VCR right. to this right. TV or a high eight camcorder. Right. So that composite's just there to. It's just there. And a lot of times new TVs don't even have it mm-hmm. at all. It, it's all just HDMI or, mm-hmm. or type C now or possibly display port, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, if you if you plug in uh, your your high camcorder, you want to watch an old movie on your 60 inch 4K TV, you're going to choke back, you know, visual vomit because you're like, this looks so this looks terrible. I, you know, thank God we got away from this media, this format. Thank God we got mm-hmm. to solid state and everything like that. And hard drives that in, in higher definition, because this looks terrible. But if you take that VCR or high eight and plug it into the compo- the, the composite input on an old period, correct TV, you might say to yourself, this looks better than I remember. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually look better than you remember. It just looks your only our only reference point in modern times is that 1080p or 4K TV doing the signal processing of a of an analog signal and, and making things look terrible. So I would argue that if you really want to get into VHS and you, or you really want to get into some sort of analog format that you take the extra step to get to try to get a period correct uh, playback device from the era so you can still find you know old crts old four by three tvs sometimes sometimes on the side of the road mm-hmm. uh, a really good tip and i feel like i'm running on here but that's what we do uh is um, if you live in a bigger city like minneapolis or houston or you live near a big city or, or whatever the case is go- type into your google because a lot of people wonder this well, where can I find these old devices? I see these YouTube videos of Colin and Johnny and LGR using whoever, 8 guy using all these like things. And I can't, I can't find these things. Where am I going to get a TV or, or whatever that does this stuff? If you live near a big enough city, just type into your Google Maps, electronics recycler. That's a really good place to go mm-hmm. looking for old TVs, old computer CRTs, old whatever. Because you can cruise on eBay and be like, okay, HP... My, my monitor, HP Pavilion M70. There might be people on eBay like gouging, like a oh, hundred bucks right. or 200 bucks, 300 bucks for this versus you go to an electronics recycler or a thrift shop, like a, a resale shop, but specifically electronics recyclers, they probably have just pallets of old computer monitors. Like, dude, we'll, we'll give you 10 bucks just to get it yeah. away for, or, or give us 10 bucks. It's going to, it's not going to be the gouging you see on eBay right. uh, to that point. Also, Back to the cassette thing and four-track cassette recorders. Be careful uh, of of eBay searching for like four-track cassette recorders, like a you know Tascam Porta O2, whatever from back then. Because on eBay, mm-hmm. they're gonna be two hundred dollars, two hundred fifty dollars, three hundred dollars for a four-track that even in its day wasn't anything better than a idea kind of right. sketch pad. Right. V- versus if you know where to look, 
thrift shops and in and, and resale shops, but also online. If you just type type the Porter O2 for sale or whatever into Google, you'll find different websites kind of like I think Reverb is one of them that kind of mm-hmm. there. It's a much more stabilized, fair marketplace than eBay. It's just that the layperson knows eBay. I'm going to type in cassette deck into eBay. Oh, here's a Nakamichi dragon for $6,000. Nakamichis are going to be very expensive anyways. Mm -hmm. But if you go off of eBay, you might find them for a little cheaper. And I guess that's kind of the cautionary tale is that when you get into vintage tech like this, the cassette comeback and things, it, it can be expensive to get a good result, which is why I like that tech. Uh, I think I mentioned this before the tech around the late nineties, early two thousands. So you get the DV stuff, the Sony, uh, mm-hmm. digital eight stuff, even mini disc, uh, PDAs, things like that. If that stuff starts to interest you, I suggest jumping on it now because you can get a Palm pilot for 15 you can get a palm pilot mm-hmm. for 15 bucks on ebay mm-hmm. all day long you oh, can yeah. get you can get mini disc players for reasonable prices you can get vcrs for reasonable prices you can get digital eight handy cans you know good prices dv dv cans good prices what's going to happen to that era of technology even though right now you and i thinking about it like who the heck would want <laughs> a sony clea or whatever from right 2003 would as a a six like a a six pixel camera on it or whatever who's gonna want that good riddance to them we thought the same exact thing about cassettes and mm-hmm. a lot of people mini discs back in the day well we've we've graduated to solid state you know mp3 players and recorders and stuff we don't really need a physical mini disc anymore we definitely don't need cassettes anymore goodbye to to tapes being chewed up and eaten up but so that's the way we're kind of thinking of like Palm Pilots and things like that right now. There's going to come a day where for some reason people are going to think, oh, yeah, I'm nostalgic for a, a, a Palm Pilot or a Palm 3X or whatever. And then they're going to cruise mm-hmm. over to eBay and they're going to be $200 a piece when they aren't worth a cent over right. 15 So right. if you are interested in, in kind of the tech around late 90s, early 2000s, I would say now is the time to you know put aside 50 bucks or whatever you can a- afford to to play with because that's basically that's what you're doing here is, is you know geeking out and playing with something for for that kind of turn of the century turn of the millennium stuff do it now windows 98 computers are getting expensive windows 95 stuff's getting expensive 486 pentium one two that kind of stuff we're, we're seeing that kind of trend trend upwards and it's going to mm-hmm. get exorbitant soon so if you want to get in on the ground floor of that kind of that kind of retro tech vcrs and things like that and high a tapes i would say now is kind of the best best time to do it yep yeah i i have taken up so much is there anything else you want to talk about because we have i'm i could go i don't know man whatever <laughs> <laughs> i think this is good i've got my uh the the baby monitor here and I've been like eyeballing my son, like, is he about to wake up from his nap? He's going to do it soon. And I'd rather okay. uh, just kind of wrap up before I'm just like, hold on, let me go get yeah. Riker. Yeah, no. But we talked. I mean, we talked plenty. Is there anything uh, you got coming up or uh, what do you think? Sorry to do this to you. <laughs> do you have in your possession? Um, I just, it just came to my mind. Um, those old Sony Vio, was it Sony Vio P's? The, the pocket ones, the really small netbooks. No, the like the slidey ones, uh, like the the really little ones, like this big kind of. Or did they yeah, fold yeah, yeah. up like a laptop? Right, they, they close like a laptop. They were clamshell, um, but they were you know the size of a. Well, they were bigger than a cell phone, but they had like Windows XP, single core Celeron. I think it went. They got up to an Atom, but uh, I'll put up a video or a image on the the video here. It's called the Sony. Uh, the Sony VIOP. They were very, very small, ultra sub. Netbooks. Oh, were they the ones that were like wider than they were deep? They yes. kind of look like some of the PDAs at the oh. same time. Yeah, they look. Good okay. You, yeah, you I know what you're that. talking about. No, I don't. I don't have one of those, unfortunately. Those are like, very desirable. Yeah, they look like this. right. Those style. Yep. But it yeah, was uh, like 2003 about. version. 
Yeah, I, I don't. Those are actually very desirable these days. Yeah. Same thing with the, I don't remember what the series was, but they were the kinds that were like the sliders. Right. So if you remember the sliding smartphones and cell phones, or you'd flip yeah, the screen up and then you've got the keyboard underneath. Sony made some ultra mobile PCs, I think they called them. Mm-hmm. Back, you know, in the early 2000s, along those lines, those are going for crazy money now, too. UMPCs. I remember that being yeah. abbreviated, yep. too. And they, yeah, they, those are going for high price. I, because like I said, we we're talking about eBay and, and searching for things from that kind of era. And I was like, well, how much could the Sony VIOPs be? I've, I've always oh, been interested in them, but back in the day, they were like a thousand bucks, or there's no friggin' way mm-hmm. I'd be able to even dream of affording that. But I thought the same thing about that HP Jornada I just displayed, which you can get all day long now for. 90 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Sony VIOP, netbook running Windows XP, single core Atom processor. Like, there's no way this is going to be more than $100. Holy crap, man. They're, mm-hmm. they're hundreds of dollars. Mm-hmm. They're, for some reason, people have picked up on that model and they got the same idea as me. I'll just cruise on here and I want one. They're, they're expensive now. They're almost, um, I would argue, maybe unless you put like some very light version of Linux on it or something like that. They're not I wouldn't say they're hugely practical. No, 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 days. no. They're it, people buy them for retro. I mean, that's they, they're leaving like Windows XP on them, and yeah. I think, I think they buy them just to kind of tinker with for a little bit, and then the rest of it is just shelf candy. You know, just bragging rights. I've got one of those. Okay. Yes. Nice. What do you use it for? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all I'll say to to kind of that point is that you know I, I got this HP Jornada, uh, but I. I do use it. I have used it to write, you know, uh, several scripts for the museum Mm -hmm. because it doesn't have built in Wi-Fi. You can connect it through if you want to just do yourself torture connected to the Internet somehow. But it's distraction free uh, typing. Look at Colin's reflection on the. (laughs) There he is. Uh, but but the reason why I got it is like this is a nostalgia, but I will probably use it for some things is because it has a. A compact. Oh right, flash. yeah, you can still get data on and off of it. Right, it's a, it's, a, it's what I like to call, and maybe other people call the same thing, uh, a bridge device, to mm-hmm. where you, you can run like people talk about this with old PCs. Uh, you know, get a Windows ninety eight machine because Windows ninety eight still runs on top of DOS, and it's kind of more modern, so you can get a Windows ninety eight machine that has. USB 1.0. So that means that you can transfer data between an, an old a compatible system and mm-hmm. put it on a flash drive, a USB, and then put it in any computer from 2022. It's yep. kind of a, a bridge device, meaning that you can get data off of that old, off of old devices and older, put it onto this bridge device, get it off the bridge device and put it into a modern PC. So the HP Jornada just happens to be a bridge device. I know that the, the VIOP we're talking about, I wouldn't call it a, a bridge device because it's not running on top of DOS. It's not compatible with really old stuff. Anything compatible with XP with a few caveats is going to be compatible with Windows 10 or Windows 11. That's a good question to end on. Just my geek brain going. Have you upgraded anything to Windows 11 yet? I've upgraded one of my laptops to Windows 11. And I'm kind of whatever about it. Like I'm waiting for guinea pigs like you. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I kind of think that they've got a ways to go before it becomes really kind of the successor to Windows 10. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff I've been... I haven't been running them, but I've been kind of casually keeping track of all the insider builds yeah, and what new things have been changing in them. And there's been a lot of progress on that front in terms of tweaking the UI and getting it to be more user-friendly or more usable again. Mm-hmm. I think 11, they went too minimalist with right off the bat. Okay. Like at work... You know, I was thinking, okay, so, you know, maybe we start getting our our PCs at work ready to go to Windows 11 because then we can get off of Windows 10 and just follow this, you know, their, that new release cycle and everything for 11. Right. You can't even customize the UI for 11 the same way you can with 10. Oh. Like all the more they really give you it right now, like out of the box Windows 11 is do you want all the start menu and everything in the middle of the taskbar or on the left side? Mm-hmm. Like you have way fewer ability to even customize what apps show up in the taskbar. Oh, 
Like wow. there's no way for an admin to remove the Windows store from the taskbar. That sucks. And you could do all of that in Windows 10. Yeah. You could totally customize the whole thing. It's all well-documented and it worked from version to version to version. So every new feature update for Windows 10, you didn't really have to worry too much about are your previous processes for customizing this for your users going to break? It's more or less just, it just kept going. Right. Then 11 dropped and it's just like, hi, here's a consumer OS that you're supposed to run your enterprise on. And right. I'm like, no, yeah. Yeah. no. Microsoft said they're still going to give us another five years of support for Windows 10. So I'm at this point really in no hurry to upgrade right. anyone to it. And the machine that I upgraded is not a daily driver by any means. It's my ThinkPad X1 Extreme. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, and I think a lot of other people are kind of along the same lines. Yeah, it's just a wait. It's a waiting game for right. Microsoft to probably it's sad to say at the pace they're going, it's probably going to be another year or two. That's exactly we get there. But yep. eventually I think they'll get there to the point where at least you'll have feature parity mm -hmm. and the big bugs will have been ironed out and you don't really have to worry about app compatibility or anything like that. And then, okay, fine. We'll make the switch. Right. Somebody asked me, I think my, my father-in-law, uh, He's like, my computer keeps asking me to upgrade to Windows 11. Should I do that? I said, no. Uh, he is like, when, well, when, you know, when do you think I should, should do that? And I said, personally, uh, me personally, like the rig I'm using right now, my works, it's my workstation. It's what I put bread on the table with. I'm waiting at least a year, if not more for, for Windows 11 to get fully fleshed out. And that's not me taking a stance of saying Windows 11 sucks. I'm not, I, I can't say that because I haven't used it enough to make any decision on it. Right. I, we, we've gotten, it seems like generally we, we've gotten used to Windows 10 so far as we'll say, well, Windows 10 isn't terrible. I mean, there's, there's obviously little kinks in, in anything there. Yeah. I, there's things about Mac OS that I don't like. But but Windows 11 is is too much of a of a like I don't I use DaVinci Resolve every single day. I use all these proprietary programs every single day and I don't and they're constantly releasing patches and updates. But I don't want to ever say my project isn't ready yet because I can't go back. I, I know you can go back to Windows 10, but, you know, my RTX 3090 isn't playing well. Right. With I mean, you're you're Windows working 11. on a schedule, right? Like right. you got to deliver consistently and your tools have to work. Exactly. And so you've got to go with the tools that work. Right. right. I mean, and that's kind of why I think, especially in the professional space, you still see people using older equipment and older software and older tools because they're always on deadline. So right. why take that risk? You know, they'll upgrade only when they have to, or only when the new version has become stable for a long period of time and they're comfortable making that upgrade. I mean, I do the same thing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the new Mac OS Monterey came out last fall. I only upgraded my main machine to it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I've got the M1 up to was it 12.1? Is that what it is now? Yeah, we're on 12.1. They're getting very close to releasing 12.2. And on, for, I can only speak for DaVinci Resolve. That's what I use most of the time on the on the M1 is everything that I use on the M1 MacBook Pro under 12.1 uh, is, has been just fine. Like, mm -hmm. I, 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 forgive me for saying this and maybe this might be blasphemy, but it seems to me like updates that Mac does are generally more stable and reliable than Windows constant breaking things with every update. Not that Mac is perfect, not that right. Apple is perfect in that regard, but it's like right. sometimes Windows does an update and I hold off on the update so long because I, I wait because I, I know I'm going to do this update and there's something's not going to work right. So I push off the update. Let me get this project out have a little buffer zone of let's see what this update's going to do. And then I do it like after, you know, something non-time critical. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with Windows 11 too. I'm going to wait at least a year. Colin, I have taken up a lot of your time. How We've been talking about an hour. That's pretty yeah. good. That is us. pretty good. Yep. We, we've done like two and a half hours before, but I really just we wanted We covered to a lot this time. I think we've been getting yeah. better at getting to the point, which is something I've been really trying to focus on more is just not so much 
continuous chatter and repeating myself. But that's uh, that's the tough thing, and this really concise, is the last thing yeah. I'm going to say. Is is the uh, when I got into radio um, and I wanted a radio show, you know, the, the bosses and higher ups like, okay, give us a you know 17 minutes of like a of a demo show or whatever. And I, I remember thinking, or it was like 10 minutes. I'm like, how am I going to keep talking nonstop for 10 minutes? The problem is shutting up Yeah. <laughs> at 10 minutes. It's, it's getting yeah. the information out that you need to say in 10 minutes because you're, we will ramble on the stream of consciousness. That's, that's the key to making succinct podcasts and, and, and podcasts less so much because you don't have like, you don't have to hit commercial breaks, you know, really in right. podcasts. They, they float, if anything, whereas in radio, it's like we're doing the news at 2950 on the, it's a hard out. You need to say what you're going to say succinctly, get your point across in that amount of time. Cause we're, we're out, we're going to the next show at this time. Da, da, da. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so you're on that journey that I am still constantly on and I am doing a bad job right now of wrapping up keeping it within time. But I will say that we've recorded for almost just about an hour. I don't know where the time stamp is going to be on the video, but uh, we we did pretty good. So Colin, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. This I will cut it up into a 39 minute thing for radio too, but uh, this is going to be the full length podcast. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh, go grab Colin's, Colin's uh, tape. I'll put the links in the podcast description and on the, the YouTube video. So yeah, once again, Colin, thank you so much. Hey man, anytime. And that's a good out. Anytime and then just, just cut it. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.